If you don't stay down and you never quit, come on over here and sit on the far end of the bench. Welcome back, Benchwarmers. Episode 129 of the Far End of the Bench podcast presented by the Variety Sports Network with myself, Jimmy Pilato, my co-host, as always, Nico Bryant. Uh, been going for quite a long time now. We're, we've obviously been pushing through a lot. It is March, so everything is busy. I have wrestling finals on in the background. If, you, if you're a Benchwarmer getting to know me, and this goes for my lovely, wonderful girlfriend, she's going to enjoy that when she hears this part of the podcast. I fill out all 10 weight classes for the wrestling tournament, all 10 brackets. So, yeah, you guys fill out one bracket or, you know, 40 awesome. brackets for March yeah. Madness. And I fill out all 10 and I try and pick the winners of like 800 matches. That'll take place over four days. But, Nico, March is here. I know it's your one of your favorite times of the year. You've been catching up on your college basketball, making sure you're ready to defend your title. It's full madness, absolutely full mad slash madness. You can you can label that the episode of, of this this week or or of next week when we get to it. It's mad slash madness, and and um yeah, it's I'm knee deep in basketball. Obviously, um uh, I, I I was able to go to the UFC fight this past weekend, so we'll touch on that a little bit later. Um, there's a lot of news in the NBA coming around. We had some weird free agency stuff in the NFL also, so we may talk about NFL for the first time in a month. Who the fuck? That that would have came out of my mouth, um, but but yeah, I like I said, we have we have a lot lot a lot of things great going on during the month of March. You just cannot beat this time of the year if you're a sports fan. It's one of the best. I think there should be a holiday worked in somewhere. Uh, you mentioned it. We're talking about the NFL. That's where we're going to kick things off. One of the uh, so the quarterback dominoes did start to fall, and interestingly enough, wasn't much. Uh, the person who started it was Derek Carr. I honestly thought Derek Carr was going to probably have the highest price tag of anyone because he's kind of uh, of the quarterbacks that signed. So the three quarterbacks that got deals, Geno Smith uh, re-signs with Seattle, and then Daniel Jones re-signs with New York. New Orleans picks up Derek Carr after he said goodbye to Las Vegas. Of those three, I would have thought that Derek Carr would have got the highest contract. Uh, it turns out, I believe it was Daniel Jones, right? He got, he got the most yep. money. He's yeah, 40 million per year. Wow. Yeah. And 168 million total over the next four years for what he did. I mean, I'm never going to fault a guy for squeezing as much money out of a franchise as possible. 82 million guaranteed. Uh, the market did not correct itself much from that Deshaun Watson contract. And that just pains me because, my quarterback's coming due here. I think very, next. very soon, and that's uh, no, he's just asking a lot more money than that, a lot more money than that. Um, first of all, with the Dan, the Daniel Jones deal, it was more of a we don't want to lose you. We're worried that that we'll we're going to lose you, right? The Giants felt like they they they're not going to be in the Lamar Jackson sweepstakes, which is it doesn't it seems like a lot of people don't want to be in for whatever fucking reason. Yeah, and then, he's getting franchise tagged. Is the rumors now? And and the giant, but but that tender means would you give up a first round pick for Lamar Jackson, Jimmy? Because I think most teams would. <laughs> for I think most counts, teams would. Depending on where you are, he counts as a first round pick. Like the 49ers, <laughs> you're getting a pick in the 30, 31, 30 range. Yeah, I, I would drop my first round pick for Lamar. Sean Watson was what four first round picks? Three? Or uh, we like, don't. We can't use that. I know that that's the point of reference, but that that. But, 
I, there's a lot of teams that would much that would love Lamar Jackson for a first or two, one or two firsts. I'll tell you that right now is all mm-hmm. I'm going to say. But either way, Daniel Jones signing, it was more of a deal like, you know what, Eli Manning wants the Super Bowl. Eli Manning was never, ever the best quarterback in the NFL. He was always a top 10 guy. Do I think Daniel Jones has that ability? I don't know. I have no idea. But, but Eli Manning barely ever sniffed the top five in terms of being the best quarterbacks in the NFL when he was playing. Was he, is he a hall of famer? That could be up for debate, but the dude won two Super Bowls off of a great defense and a great running game. That's exactly what the Giants are doing right now. You but say, you know, they don't have the great defense. That's the thing. And now you they don't, they don't, they don't right now. You, you put all your money into this quarterback position. How are you going to reload the defense. You already had money issues to you begin have, with last you have year. To draft. You have to draft well. And right now, Leonard Williams in the middle is is has been absolutely fantastic for them. The guy they got from the Jets, and they're just going to have to draft well in in in, in their secondary. And and boom, you have Saquon, who you just franchise tagged over there that that you have set up your backfield. You would like Leader, to. You could use a receiver. You could well. use a receiver. <laughs> like we've been saying the whole DeAndre year. DeAndre Hopkins is sitting out there on the trade market. I would be throwing my house at DeAndre Hopkins if I was a, a New York Giants fan. There, look, look. I, I hate to be the bearer of bad news here, Jimmy, but T. Higgins may be available because of the contracts that that Jamar Chase and Joe Burrow are going to have to get. So you may be able to get a trade for him. And we're going to really get Joe to... Mixon off our books, though. That'll be nice. yeah. That that would also be very nice. Nice after his ABSC too. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna. I'll. T- I'll make like the the brief statement. I'll talk about that once more of the information comes out. But honestly, ever since the season ended, and I think he had another rumor going around where he had a weapons charge or like an assault charge. I've kind of started to be. I've started to resign myself to the fact that Joe Mixon's probably not going to be the running back. I can't stand behind what? him as the running back of the team because all I've said, like, yes, he had the issue in college where we all know. He fucked up. It's on camera. He beat the shit out of a, a girl in the bar. Who knows what was said that led up to the altercation, but it's obviously not right what he did. He had been proving himself to have moved forward, but now he's taking these steps back. I just want to make sure that I read enough on it and, and be able to express it and in that, a way that is fair to, to all parties. It absolutely is time to move on in terms of getting a new, new younger leg in. Look, Running backs don't last for long at all. And I, I what's it been five, six years, however long he's he's, been he's on his second contract. I feel like he's already like either, we should have way. been looking at a at a cut situation. I think him and P Ryan both. I think that uh, they have guys that are already there to take their place, but obviously I think they would probably draft. Exactly. A, get some young lays, get a, get a running back in the second round that if you do have Mixon for another year, then he can learn under him. And he'll be the guy going forward, plain and simple. That's what they try to do with Javante with Melvin. That's what they try to do with uh, uh, Phil, or they try to, but it ended up working out like that with Phil. Um, but, yeah, like I said, if you're the Giants – Maybe you can see if a T Higgins is available. Um, you, you can maybe see if some of these other teams have receivers that, 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 that they're going to have to pay their quarterback, right? Like I'm looking at possibly Jacksonville. Jacksonville's going to have to pay Trevor Lawrence in a couple of years. Obviously, that maybe they're a year away from trading receiver. But some of these young teams with really great young quarterbacks are probably going to have to unload a number, a number two receiver that could be a number one on your team. So, so if you're the Giants, you look for that market for that, and then you build up your defense. And like I said, in, in the best division of football last year, at least you made the playoffs. So, so you're you're taking all the right steps. And Daniel Jones' contract may come back to bite you in the ass, but you would love a repeat of this year and a, and a chance to, to win your division. You would absolutely love that. 
And I think, too, a lot of the Giants' success comes down to the coaching as well because, yeah, they had a terrible roster, and, and you can put a lot of blame there. They had the same terrible roster the year before with uh, – was it it wasn't Judge that they fired. It was Judge. They, it was, it was, was Judge. judge yeah, yeah, they had the same the same exact roster as the year before, but the difference this year was the coaching. So if you can get a guy – you know, like if you get a coach that's in the right situation, I think that's what won the, the Giants their Super Bowl. Yeah, Eli Manning made a couple of amazing plays towards the end of the game, but the Giants don't get to that point if they didn't have Tom Coughlin being super strict and, and introducing discipline. It seems like Brian Dable's establishing something that can be continued and repeated. So I think that's where, if you're a Giants fan, I'm looking at that saying, this is where we're going to be successful. Yeah, I mean, maybe Daniel Jones takes a step back or stays what he is and Saquon. Hopefully he stays healthy, but if he stays healthy and balls out again next year, you're, you're not you're not taking him. You're not keeping him. That's that's going to be it, it and gone if if Saquon balls out again. So hope, you're hoping that coaching catches fire and continues to build on what they had last season. And who knows? Get into the playoffs. Go on a run. You got there last season. I agree with you. But now you want a playoff game win. also. Yeah. Let's not yeah. forget that. Want a playoff yeah. game against your girls team. Against yeah. Uh, against so, a team that we all know shouldn't have was it's way still overrated. Still playoff game. It's yeah. Still it was still playoff, playoff win. Yeah. It's still playoff win. So thank you for that. I'm gonna be in North Carolina with her family when they can listen to this. So that's gonna be that'll be fun for them. Um, no, I I think that. The Giants, for what it's worth, and by the way, I, I have the ESPN grades pulled up for these three moves so far. They graded a C minus. I can see where that is. I think, like I just, that's where the grade can change is based on how the, he continues to grow with the coaching. If he believes that he's a hundred sixty-eight million dollar man now and starts trying to play play to win games and and not use the running game or the defense, which I don't think anybody is expecting him to, that's where he's going to run into issues. Look, so, look, he doesn't have a coach running QB sneak on third and 10 on his own 10. Okay. Like, 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 look at the difference that Trevor Lawrence had with, with uh, uh, Doug Peterson versus Urban Meyer. Like, like, it makes such a difference. We, like, we, obviously, with, especially with the quarterback position, those two go hand in hand, whether you like it or not. Those two are the two guys that, that, that work together in unison to make the offense a, a consistent unit cycle. And right now, Brian Dable trusts him. Dable and, and, and Daniel Jones trusts Dable, and, and that's the recipe you want to, to get back into the playoffs and make some noise. I, I agree. So moving to the Seahawks with Geno Smith, you're really hoping I'm that glad. that I'm was – Yeah, I mean, it's a good story. And I think thinking looking back five years ago when he was coming off of that debacle with the Jets and, and not really proving anything after coming in. Almost like coming, New York, is, the Jets are, is a place for quarterbacks to die, huh? Yeah, it's, it's starting to like seem like a trend. Uh, yeah. It's starting to seem like you can you can maybe, you know, correlation does equal causation in some instances. It doesn't always have to be separate, and that seems to be the case. But Geno Smith now, you're hoping that this was not a one one-year wonder thing, not a Case Keenum situation, if you will where he goes, uh, it was a different team, but you get a whole bunch of money and then doesn't quite live up to the hype. So the, the deal put in place, since I have it pulled up, um, let's see. Oh, and yeah. they didn't – oh, $32 million instead of $52 million. So – It was a two-year deal, I think, or something like that? I think – I believe so. I, that gives that gives him enough leeway of like, hey, if, if, 
if you start to downfall, we'll start we'll bringing your back up next year or, or do that, whatever. Like they have draft capital thanks to me and, and our team over here. So, I mean, they don't have, a, they don't have the Broncos first round pick next year, but they have a second and I believe a, something, a third or something. So either way you have draft capital, if you want to move up next year and you feel like Gino isn't going to be the quarterback in the future, which more than likely he won't be. It's a great story. Don't get me wrong. It's a great story. You have the ability to do that. Um, if you feel like next year's class, all signs are pointing to being an absolutely excellent class, um, you can jump up and get, get your guy next year. I think that they might be a little bit overzealous, except then again, it is Pete Carroll. Like, I feel like they're going to draft a quarterback that they want to be able to transition to after this contract. I think that they're good. Like, they're in place. They're planning on playing the veteran. But again, when that happens, like if they draft a quarterback in the first round or even the second round, you get these. We saw it here in Denver with Drew Locke. Like you get the people that say, put the kid in because we know that the veteran, it was a one-time thing that he was good and he's not going to be good anymore. I I feel like that's probably a high likelihood. Uh, The math teacher that I work with at school is a huge Seahawks fan. So for her sake, I kind of hope that, it continues so. to go the, the way that it does. And for Geno Smith's sake too, because it's cool. Uh, you don't want to see the game be unattainable for everyone. And I think G- Geno Smith, the hype that he had coming out of college and then not being able to get up to that level. We've seen it time and time and again. I mean, Doug Flutie was booted from the NFL, went up to the CFL, won a lot of championships, Warren Moon, CFL, uh, Jim Kelly and Steve Young were in the USFL. Like guys can go away and then come back and be better prepared. So I, I think that he's probably – he's definitely matured, and I think that showed in how he played. So it was, it was a good story. ESPN graded that uh, B-. minus. So they're yeah, it's not slightly – higher, but it's not, it's not going to hurt you at all. By the way, three years, $105 million is Geno Smith's deal. So that brings us now to Derek Carr and the New Orleans Saints. I – first off – the New Orleans Saints at quarterback, I think they've been trying to play like mental checkers, but they've put themselves like they killed their own queen, sacrificed their king, and they're just throwing pieces off of the board. Because why did you have Jameis Winston last season if you weren't going to continue to try and play him? He said that he was healthy, but it almost felt it's like, and there's a rumor well. going around, like they mishandled his initial injury. So they were afraid to put him back out there because if he would have gotten hurt, they would have been liable even more so. So there's that conversation swirling about. And you, it was very clear that Sean Payton wasn't going to play Taysom Hill in like the full-time starting quarterback role. So why would you continue to like have him still be in the conversation? Just make him the X factor. He's going to line up at quarterback, this position, that position, but don't force him into that conversation to be your starting quarterback. And I think New Orleans was, was trying Doing to do too many year, things. Yeah. yeah, too many irons in the fire. This at least calms things down because you know that a guy that you're paying the contract for Derek Carr four years, 150 million dollars, and 60 million dollars guaranteed, you know he's going to be playing. Kind of. I look. This is the big. This is a massive, massive deal. I, I, I. First of all, Derek Carr was the fourth best debatable third best quarterback in his division. He all. He all of a sudden becomes the best quarterback in his division, Jimmy. Right. Kyle, Tr- well, like Kyle, I was gonna Trask, say Kyle Trask might have something to I'm say. Not, about no, that. no, 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 no. But hear me out. Their car still better th- than him. Whoever you want to throw out in, in Carolina, their car still better than Will Levis. D- 
Do we even need it? I mean, still, okay, but here, here, my second poll will come up here in a second. And then also Atlanta, for whatever reason, they're not in that. The Des- Lamar Jackson. Des- yeah. Exactly. Out of those four, if I'm picking a quarterback, that'd be like, ah, that guy can get me the playoffs more than likely. Out of the four, it's going to be Derek Carr. Yes, it's not much. Don't get me wrong. It's not much. But if there's one guy out of the four, I'm picking him. Your defense still has Marshawn Lattimore, still has Cameron Jordan. You have some decent defensive pieces. You have a young receiver in Chris Olave that could be that could end up being something. You have the idiot that is Alvin Kamara in the backfield. If he's back healthy, he could be very he could be very very good for you as well. They should pick I mean, up Joe Mixon. <laughs> I mean, he's probably on a one way trip to the Raiders. Probably who knows? But either way, you get Derek Carr with a coach that he had the most success in his career. People forget not John Gruden. Dennis Allen, the head coach of the New Orleans Saints, was the head coach that gave Derek Carr his first start. And the season after his first start was the season that Derek Carr was in the MVP conversations and ended up, I believe, tearing his ACL. It might have been Achilles. Broke his ankle. And broke his ankle in the first round playoffs. That was his head coach. A year, two years later, they struggle without Derek Carr, bring in John Gruden, and the rest is history, right? So if there's one 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 coach that's very familiar with him, it's Dennis Allen. And, and now that he's in a division where you don't have two Hall of Famers in your quarterback quarterbacks in your division and one all great talent in your division, you, you run into teams now that frankly, three of the, all three all of them have quarterback questions and don't know who they're don't know who – yeah, Russell Wilson's a Hall of Famer. He is a Hall of Famer. A Super Bowl, I, I, we can have this conversation. but No MVPs, no regular season awards, one Super Bowl, no Super Bowl MVPs. Eli Manning is a, is a Hall of Famer, so is Russell Wilson. Either way, we'll, we'll, that's a debate for another day. And and then just because he had the bad year, everyone can hate on him. But the dude was consistently a a, a, a player who got his team above 500 every year of his career outside the last two years. That's 10 years of, of playoff football. So either way, that's a conversation for another day. But either way, you find yourself in a division where, where three teams, three of the teams have no idea who their quarterback's going to be. Three of them. All three of them don't know. It could be Darnold. Could be fucking uh, uh, P.J. Walker. Could be Will Levis. Could it be Desmond Ritter, or maybe uh, maybe they go out and get Lamar? Maybe, maybe it's maybe it's Kyle Trask, or maybe they go get Jimmy Garoppolo. Right? Like you have the solidified quarterback in your division and a team that the Saints were on the verge of making a run at the end of the season to try to win their division crown. You don't have to be great to make the playoffs. You just have to win your division, and you host a playoff game. Let's not forget that. Right, you can be eight and nine or seven and ten and make the playoffs as long as you beat everyone in your division and the rest of your division sucks. And in the worst division of football, Derek Carr has that ability with the Saints. Derek Carr does seem to to have some one of the best setups, so it seems like it should work out. They were graded out as just dead sea, so not too much necessarily expected. But I think that's for the entire NFC South. And no slight to our guys out of your Falcon Minds, also on the Variety Sports Network. It's just like everybody's rebuilding. You all got really bad at the exact same time. You had all of your Hall of Fame quarterbacks retire all at once. So there's a – and Matt Ryan gets traded out of the division. I know you can say what you want about him towards the end of his time there. But remember, there is no quarterback footwork out of the shotgun without Kyle Shanahan and Matt Ryan working together in Atlanta, getting to that Super Bowl. So it's kind of just a rebuilding point. They now have the one solidified piece that you definitely need. Who is going to be my starting quarterback? 
and how are we going to build things I, around him? Yeah, it's one big question mark that is not an answer. It's it's now what else can we do? What else? How else can we get better to win the division and then make noise in the playoffs? And how, like I said, literally all you have to do is win your division. You host the playoff game. I mean, like that's massive, right? You just have to beat up on the other idiots. It's 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 not a whole dogs race in the Western Conference of the NBA or the Eastern Conference in the NHL where fuck I have to I have to beat out the Rangers because they're in the other division and they've won ten games in a row or whatever. It's beat your division and boom, you're in the playoffs. Your division is shit. It should be a, a good situation. I'm interested to see how it'll play out and like I said, how they handle their skill positions, making sure their defense stays up to par. Let's transition into some of the more interesting topics, kind of not necessarily they're evolving sports, but kind of more outside of the sports realm. I want to start with John Morant because I did not understand. I saw all the videos and like the trends going around. I'll be honest with you. I didn't understand necessarily what they were talking about. Uh, I don't know if I sent you the the last Eminem rap from 8 Mile where he's talking about you want to try and be a gangster, but you went to a private school. I saw that one. So I was like, oh. Maybe he thinks that he's a little bit tougher than he is and he's going to get in trouble. But go ahead. For the people that are like me, for the bench warmers like myself, what exactly is going on with the Colorado Police Department yeah, let me, and John Moran? Yeah, let, let, me, let, me, let me put this in retrospective. Shotgun is If the world does not know what shotgun is, don't search it. Oh, boy. Just don't search it up. Oh, okay? that's where that's, – that's yeah, yeah. That is a terrible – part of this why you're a multi-millionaire athlete why yeah i know it keeps getting better right? that is like the the walmart the the waffle house version of those kinds of establishments here in colorado that gives us less oh. than less than two hours after the denver nuggets beat the memphis grizzlies like i predicted last week thank you very much everyone was on me about saturday night and look what fucking happened crazy uh, crazy how good the denver nuggets are on, at home right and how good the memphis had had our number one night crazy right absolutely crazy huh back come at me with that slander now and then john so apparently there's a uh, team meeting Stephen Adams, who is the quote-unquote veteran leadership of the group, we're we're weird to say that, but is the cool head of the group, has a team meeting after the game that we need to cut all the outside bullshit off. Cut it out. That means that means no more shit talking, no more this, no more that. No, just keep it clean. Win the ball game because you're the number two seed in the Western Conference and you have everything going for you. Less than two hours later after that, John Morant decides, ah, fuck you. I'm going to go to, the, go to that establishment, Shotgun Willie's. Like I said, don't search it up. It's not worth it. Down the street in Denver, brings a pistol into there, seen on IG Live, roaming the pistol around, fully loaded, all that. And, uh, yeah, he, he uh, got in a little bit of trouble. Let me tell you the little bit yeah. of trouble. First, first of all, I'm almost positive that that I, actually I'm not positive. I don't know if you, I'm pretty sure you can't bring it into the, that type of establishment. No, here's like, I, no I, weapons in the in the article they have the the laws. So Colorado is an open carry state. There's obviously exceptions. You can only go. Yeah, you you can only go so far, and certain like private establishments can tell you no, you can't open carry in here. The one thing that I did see as soon as alcohol becomes involved. It is illegal for you to be in possession of your firearm. So, so this so, establishment that we're talking about serves alcohol. I believe that they were probably under that influence. 
that makes it those federally illegal for him to have his firearm with him. Now you, those are the precedent set. Let alone going on Instagram Live where you have over a couple million followers and a the couple NBA million players, an NBA hit. player holding up to your head, messing around with it, doing all that. So there's the legal side. Let's 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 get to the NBA side and the idiocy of this. Let me take you. Uh, down at the back down memory lane. I don't know if you remember this, Jimmy, of uh, the Gilbert Arenas Jarvis Cretenton story. So I believe it was in the late 2000s, maybe, oh, yeah, yeah. maybe, maybe early 2010s. Um, Gilbert Arenas and, Jar- and Agent Zero and Jarvis Cretenton brought in loaded guns into the locker room and, sh- and pointed them at each other. Yes, this is a real story. I am not bullshitting you. If you're too young to know that, just look up the story. And after that little incident, the NBA put in place a 50-0, game suspension for bringing a loaded weapon into a team activity facility of sorts. So, take a wild guess. If John Morant had it at Ball Arena, that man will be out until the next season. Your number two seed in the Western Conference, if that loaded weapon was in the facility of Denver, Colorado, at Ball Arena, say goodbye to your number two seed and your playoff chances this year, Memphis Grizzlies. You want to talk all this shit. You really do. You're you're the thug. You're the thuggets, right? You're trying to be the thuggets. But the thuggets kept their shit tight. And, yes, they, they all would kick your ass at any point. K.M. Martin would not take shit. Chris would not take shit. J.R. would not take But they never did bullshit like this. Because they knew yeah. if they knew that, that you keep it tight and you keep it a close ship. And then and, and like it, it, if things happen, it's in-house. Things are not known, right? If, if, things, yeah. if bullshit happens, it's in-house and it has not changed. And you decided to, to put it out for the world that you – have a loaded weapon at a strip club and at, at one of the worst strip clubs probably in the country that people fucking hate for whatever that, that, that just absolutely hate. And you decide to bring it after losing. And after your captain has a sit down meeting, be like, we need to calm down and not have outside distractions, uh, uh, motivate this team and getting to a championship. Well, here you are. If the, if the facts come out and all this facts comes out about you having that weapon, at Ball Arena, having it on the team bus, having it on wherever, your ass is done for the season. Hold that, right? You want to you, you wanna talk this shit? Hold that, right? Hold that. You want to be thugs? You want to do all this? Call Be, be the thuggets? Your season's going to be done. But one of the best regular seasons, not the best, but one of the best regular seasons Memphis Grizzlies have had in a long time since back in the Zebo and, and, and uh, Marcus Soul days. And here you are just, just being an idiot, being an idiot. And I hope he gets the help that he needs because obviously there's something wrong with him. But at the same time, you want to talk shit, you better be able to back that shit up. There's just, I mean, you set yourself up for total failure. You're on the road. So it's very unlikely that you had somebody in that city able that. So let's say his argument is going to be, no, well, the gun was dropped off to me afterwards. By who? Yeah, there's your next question, right? That, I mean, that, so there's that wild... I feel like po- pokes a hole in that argument. And just the, yeah, there's the thuggets. And yeah, I always, we joke about how you can't win championships with all choir boys. And, and you're going to have some guys that maybe take things to a certain limit. 
you hopeful you hope that it's never something like this. You hope that it's never something that will actively defame not only your name, which now he's defa- like he puts his family's name in a very bad place. You're defaming the name that you play for on the front. You're all of these kids look up to you. You are you out of that draft class, him and Zion were the number one and, and the number two guys like the, the, with the most hype. He was going to be on the cover of of one of the NBA 2K Slam games Magazine. So yeah. and Slam Magazine. But now how how is a parent or a guy that's trying to get his kid involved in basketball or somebody picking up the sport? How are they going to watch the Memphis Grizzlies with John Morant on the team and, and be like, yeah, that's a guy that, you know, they do the right things. They I work hard. They play on the edge. They're, they're not disciplined. That's all that shows you is that they have zero discipline and zero people in that organization really care to enforce any of it. There, there's a massive difference between the Kenya Martins, the Kevin Garnett's of the world that, that, that took it to the extreme on the court, that they were bullies on the court, that you did not want to look at them the wrong way or they kick your ass and being an absolute ass and, and, and breaking the law and doing things off the court to bring distractions on your team. Kevin Garnett was one of the most notorious shit talkers in NBA history. You ever looked at him on the court the wrong way, he would fuck you up mentally, physically, and just drain you until you were like, is this guy really fucking – did he really just say that? Is he still talking? Right? Is he still going? <laughs> What the fuck? Is I, we're, we're down by 20. Can we just fucking stop? And he just keeps going. But after the game, he minded his own business, said, get the fuck away from me. I'm, I'm going to handle my business on the court. And you know what? After the game, uh, um, after the season, you, you want to go train together? We can do that. But but we, we, we ain't friends right now. And John Moran's just taking it to an absolutely different level. And I think you nailed put the nail on the head, right? Like putting this distraction on this team is more detrimental than you could think. I, I, look, we, we can say what we want about Draymond. We, we, we both don't love Draymond. I, 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 he, he's absolute shit on the fucking court for anyone that plays against him. And but on the practice court to his teammates. I, I was about to get to that. But outside of that incident, for 10 years of his career, you never heard anything. Never heard anything off the court for him because they're winning because he knew that, that, that right now the team needs me and, and, and I have to buy in if I want to reach the ultimate goal. And now he's been to the mountaintop. Obviously, the thing with the, with the practice court happened and look where the Warriors are at right now. So, like I said, these off the court things, people think they don't take into account. They absolutely do. There's massive yeah, distractions. It's it's walking to the locker room. Look at the starting level. Oh, Jaws still not playing tonight. I, I, for that little thing that he did, how many questions am I going to have to field from the media after this game about it? It's not questions like, "Hey, you only you only you only had two assists tonight. Um, how, what, what do you think you can do better to to help the team out?" It's more of like, "Hey, how how is this distraction with John Morant doing?" You're gonna be like, "Next question." It it brings a mood to the locker room that changes everything, and the fact that he's doing this. Like I said, he's one of the most exciting players in basketball. He's a guy that a lot of – look, I think he's top five in jersey sales. A lot of kids are, are looking up to him and his high-flying abilities because he's a point guard, and he's just draining it down the absolute drain. It's unfortunate to see it's it's more likely than not because when these leagues go ahead and give all this million, millions of dollars to people from poor bra- poor background backgrounds, and I mean that in a social sense where they don't have the wherewithal like – don't put yourself around bad people. Don't be around bad influences and don't be a distraction or, or a negative influence on the world. They just don't teach those guys that. And it's, it's unfortunate that 
the people who need it the most very rarely ever get the help that they probably deserve. And who knows? He probably might not even think that he did anything wrong. It's very clear. Like you can maybe it'll all depend on once everything is figured out. If he has to, I think that he would issue an apologetic statement. If that is, is, if that it's if it's sincere, then yeah, I can get behind you again, and and I can say you're a young kid. You'll learn from this. And Jimmy, never we're near a week. We're near a week since this happened. By the way. Like, well, like, I think like, that what he's doing, because the investigation is still ongoing. The yeah, CPD, is, late, obviously, yeah. CPD is not getting very close to, I mean, and hey, getting close, but... hey, hey, Colorado Police Department, we're Nuggets fans here, all right? No, be, 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 have a little pride here. Don't go easy, all right? Don't go easy. Have a little pride. Yeah, okay. <laughs> um, let's talk about the Denver Nuggets, because now two of the bigger NBA personalities on that ESPN platform, J.J. Redick and Kendrick Perkins, uh, it was almost a if they were in the same studio. Jimmy, I need to talk louder to win my point. Hold on, let me let me yell over your over your talking to make sure my point is proven. If they were in the Jimmy, studio, Jimmy, Jimmy, Jimmy. Yeah, no. Here's the thing: Stephen A. Smith was also involved in that segment. He was the least annoying part. That's that's all you have to know. JJ Redick, obviously not annoying. He was trying to get his point across. He was he goes, very obviously. Annoying. That's the only point he's ever been annoying. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I I just don't get what it. I mean, why? Why do we have to continue? And and by the way, when you click on just the NBA tab here on ESPN.com right now, as I'm looking at it, the first article, why Denver's biggest edge could dissolve come playoff time. What the hell did we do to anybody? What the hell did Jokic do to anybody that forces – why are they so mean? What did we, we did do? Nothing. We did fucking nothing. Absolutely been hold- nothing. I it just <laughs> – well, no, Jokic has also done nothing. He straight up said, I don't want to win the award. Don't Fuck. give me MVP. It pisses people off. I don't, I don't like fielding questions. I don't want MVP. I don't want to play in the All-Star game. And people are like, nah, fuck you for not wanting that, right? He's fuck sandbagging. You. He definitely wants it. Fuck, here, here we go. He's stat padding fouls now, everybody. Um, make, take, take away his MVP because of that. Bro, his arms are so oh. fucked up. He's getting fouled. More than anybody, and he doesn't complain about it. Unlike a lot of people that, you know, basketball players, that. basketball players live to complain about fouls that were not called. So yeah, he, he does. I've got to give him a little bit of slack. His arms also get torn to shit. I love Yoke, but he also fucking complains a lot too. So I'm not, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna I, give him yeah. all that. But but Side let's note. let's. I have a soccer player in my class. I told him I gave him a yellow card today, and he did the whole, what the, what, what are you doing? I said, I'll give you a red. I will toss yeah, your ass. I will toss you. Yeah, all right, let's, let's, let's dive, into, dive into this just idiocy. Absolutely idiocy. First of Dumbest all. Dumbest four minutes on television? I, I, I lasted, this sounds so long. I lasted like a minute just fucking dealing with that. Like, I, I, I stopped. Like, I was like, I can't deal with the stupidity. There's a reason why the world of podcasting has taken off. Like, if we want to get deep into this, right? There's a reason why sports podcasts are more more popular nowadays than these network television shows. Much more popular than these much network television shows. It's because you try to grab headlines. First Take probably had some of the biggest viewership on that one video today because of the idiocy that was spit out. JJ Reddick hit the nail on the head. You are creating narratives to knock a guy that doesn't want to win anything but a championship. He doesn't want to win anything but a game to, to reach the ultimate goal. 
you, you, you bring up these statements of Jokic was not uh, – how, how can Jokic win MVP without being top 10 at scoring? He was number four two years ago when he won the MVP. He was number seven this year, uh, last year winning the MVP. He's number 10 this year, but averaging a triple-double has the best record in the Western Conference. You bring up the conversation that the voters are racist. Yes, I am. I am. Not, these are not words coming out of my mouth. These are words coming straight out of Kendrick Perkins' mouth. You are saying that the 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 poll voters are are wanting a, a wanting a white gentleman and Nikola Jokic to win MVP because because they don't want a, an African American to win. That's the narrative we are at, ladies and gentlemen. That is the narrative we are at. It is so sad that we have to come up with these narratives to knock a human being down for being one of the greats. Greatest player of this organization's, this organization's history. I'll say it. It's not even a question anymore. There's a question after he won the first MVP. There's no question anymore. He is the greatest per- player to ever wear this jersey. And who's also the greatest player? Dirk Nowitzki won MVPs. You are the greatest player of your teams and in, 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 in history ever. Joel Embiid currently is not top five in Philadelphia, right? Maybe he maybe cracks the top six, top seven. But the guys like likes of Dikembe, Allen Iverson, Julius Irving, I could do another list of names that are still better than what he ever was. Nicole Jokic is a standout player that does not care about anything you have to say, anything the media has to say. He joked with the triple-double after I, – I forgot who we played. He, he was like, Jokic, triple-double. Um, how do you feel tonight? He was like, I guess that's pretty good for a stat powder. Word for word, go look it up. If you look, if people are arguing me about this, being like, well, maybe the vote, voters are racist. There are uh, over 150 voters. You're telling me that 80 of the 150 that voted Nikola Jokic the MVP the last two years, and the 80 that were that were vo- that were uh, voted at the All Star break and saying he's MVP are all racist. Right? You got to right? fix right? your system then, because that's a I lot am, of bad people that you have I, voting for you. I, I am not trying to be political by any means. By any means, I absolutely believe Joel Embiid deserves a chance at MVP. He deserves to be in the conversation by any means. But you have idiots coming on TV that don't believe he's in the conversation, that don't believe the greatness we are seeing, and blaming it on on quote unquote racist voters. That's the narrative we've become, Jimmy, because he, because Kendrick Perkins decided, oh, stat padding isn't enough because you, you can, you can evidently uh, um, see that he's not stat padding. He doesn't give a fuck. And, and when Jokic comes out of your ass, Mr. I averaged five points, two and one my whole career, Mr. I luckily got a single triple every day, a triple single every, every night if I was lucky. And you, you decide you're going to come on TV and do that. The narrative around, the, around one of the best players in the world is hideous. It's hideous. It's absolutely hideous. And, and, and look, we live in Denver. We absolutely do. Am I a Nuggets fan until I fucking die? Absolutely. And, and, and do I have some 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 leniency towards Jokic? Absolutely, I do. But if you are an outside viewer, if you live in California, you live in fucking Texas, and you see the first thing on ESPN comes up with this idiocy of saying that 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 the the all the NBA voters for MVP are all racist. That's the narrative you see on ESPN, right? That's the narrative on the number one sports provider or or, or T or what whatever the fuck is called platform. TV sports platform in the world and has been for the last forty years or however long it's been going. And that's the narrative you see. What are you going to think about Nicole Jokic, right? 
We see it every day. We defend him every day. People in Texas, people in Florida, people in the back east don't get to watch him every night because, because the games aren't at 10 o'clock at night. This is the narrative they wake up to, that you have to spew out just absolute bullshit instead of praising players. Look, I, I, I have praised Joel Embiid on this show. I have multiple times. Do I think he is an outstanding player? Absolutely. Do I think he is doing 40-point performances that are up to the level of Shaq in his heyday? Absolutely. Joel B is an all-world-class player. But he's not the best player in the world. That's the argument. That's the only argument you need to have. It's a A versus B, not a A versus whatever, what other stereotype can I put on him. And that's what this world has come. This world and sports media has come to. It's a joke that this is a conversation. It's a joke that you think that this is this is this is the agenda you have to have to make yourself relevant. To make yourself relevant, right? Kendrick Perkins is unrelevant, irrelevant. Sorry, irrelevant, completely irrelevant. You don't. They, no one loves you like that. You're on TV because you're best friends with LeBron, best friends with KG, best friends with Richard Jefferson. It's the only reason why you're on TV. Because right now. You could be you 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 could be selling car insurance on the side of the road because you did nothing in your career. You won a championship off the backs of KG, Ray Allen, and Paul Pierce in one great season. That's all you have to show for. And you weren't even you weren't even the main piece in that team. So you want to talk shit? You want to do this? At least give the man respect because you aren't doing that right now by spewing these nonsense nonsensical narrated uh, um, opinions. That you just think you have to say because your guy thinks you think another guy deserves MVP. That's a conversation for the MVP, Jimmy. Think that's how whack is that, right? You think about all these other sports, NFL. There is no conversation with Aaron Rodgers. Yes, he has some dumb shit off off the field. Absolutely does some dumb shit. And and, and people are like, well, he's a fucking terrible person for all that. He's still an absolutely incredible player. He, you, you, and look, the conversation never derails up. Eh, off the field shit is a problem. And here we are just dealing with this bullshit for no reason other than grabbing headlines. That's what ESPN the first take has, has turned into. And I'm glad finally JJ Reddick has called it out and that he's absolutely, and he's the only person defending it because it's, it's been nonsense for many years since the ratings went down and since, and since individuals like you and I have turned to the podcast game and, 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 and trying to listen to other NBA shows, listen to other NFL shows that, 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 that come from opinions where people cover the game and don't deal with grabbing headlines that are written across the bottom of the screen. I honestly, I mean, people are going to say that they try to get, grab those headlines because the viewership isn't, it's up from what it has been, but it's not anything compared to the NFL. And I'm going to say that it actually does the opposite effect. When I hear that this is the only reason, I mean, this is legitimately the only piece of basketball news that I've been privy to, been aware of in the last week. And it has to do with all of this. It makes me not want to come back and it makes me not want to follow the league because why would I follow similar to how we talk about the MLB? Why would I follow a league? Why would I care about who wins a championship for a trophy that is, quote, a, a piece of metal? Like, why would I follow the NBA if I know that it's only bullshit drama? Like, 
I can go turn on Bravo upstairs and watch the same kind of drama unfold with turning into a fucking bachelor. Like it's turning into to, to what dumb shit's gonna happen next. Nothing about how how great of a generation of players this is. We have a guy in LeBron that's entering year twenty um, next year that is still one of the top ten best players in the world. You have a young Slovenian over there in Dallas that is taking the reins of Dirk and ruling over the league. You have teams like Gian, guys like Giannis who are dominating the league night in, night out on the best team and or uh, yeah, best record in the NBA. And all we're talking about is is the quote-unquote racists that are NBA MVP voters. When you don't know what you couldn't – I'm telling you right now, someone needs to go ask Kendrick Perkins to name one NBA MVP voter. And I bet you can't name at least – maybe you can name one. At least five. I bet you 20 bucks. I'll bet $1,000 on it that Kendrick Perkins cannot name five NBA MVP voters that he called racist. Now – I think that we should probably transition because it's not worth bringing any more light to Kendra Perkins being an idiot. I'm surprised you want to bet because you texted me and I, I told my parents after Saturday night. Also, we bought the UFC pay-per-view for, I think it was the first one that I bought in like a year. So I watched all the fights. I'm ready to talk about them. I'm ready to break them down, but I just want to make sure I want to check in. We're boys. We've been friends a long time. Counts, I know the big count is less than what it was when I went to Vegas. Yeah, I was gonna say he, he won. He won in dominant won, fashion, won, not the way that you needed him to win. Um, and then look, I, I don't know. I first of all, I mean, let's let, we can dive into it right away. We can talk about Shevchenko here in a second, but but. First of all, I did not think that hold was was nearly tight enough, or that he even had a. Oh, you think Cyril Gan as a French person surrendered? This would be like the first time in history that French people have have been known to surrender, right? Wow, we first, are gonna have first a lot time? of people hate this episode, Jimmy. Nico, how many how many gears does a, a French tank have? I don't, I don't know. Three reverse and one forward. Why does it have the one forward? Uh, in case the enemy attacks from behind. So, either way, I thought it was really soft, and I was like, "Oh fuck, John, John, just punch him, please, stop, start punching him," because the dude's gonna fucking. I did not think he was gonna tap at all. And, and, and look, there's only one human being in the fight world that can walk out to the champions here and not have the fucking championship. <laughs> there's only one person on the fucking planet right now that is in the fight game that can walk out to that song, and and, and everyone's like, "Yeah." That's fucking John Jones. <laughs> that is uh, absolutely yeah. John Jones. There's only one person that can walk out to that song and have that happen. I had Jones. no fear at any no, point. No, like, there was no doubt that he's going to kick his ass. Yeah, no and, doubt. And it was from the walkout. Like, Cyril Gunn did not look like he believed he was going to be able to win that. It was fight, a happy-to-be-there so. moment. Like I like I repeated last week, it was a happy-to-be-there John Cerrone moment. I'm happy to be on the biggest stage in the world against one of the best fighters in the world. Yeah. And I, like, it's the total opposite of what we saw in the fight before. We're we're gonna save that, but like just, I I honestly, do we want to just go up the card? Because we said we were gonna mention Bo Nickel as well, and you know, yeah, as yeah, a, know. as the wrestling guy. For those of you that 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 saw the tweet, yes, I was at the event. I, I yes. made the last two cards. Um, oh, last two cards, last two fights. Um, that's all that mattered, honestly, because I was I was really happy. Look, I would have loved to see Bo Nickel, but the, we'll talk about him in a minute. But I was very, very happy to see the last two fights, and I got to take it in. I got to go, so I don't care. So, um, but yeah, I talk about talk about an electric card. I was I was keeping track while I was at work um, Saturday night and, and keeping track of it, track of the whole card. But 
there are some fireworks. There are some fireworks. Bro, I think so. Starting with the one that kicked off the main card, but well, actually, I I had the prelims on, and uh, Derek Brunson got his head basketballed oh off God. of the canvas, and the referee didn't stop it. The referee was just kind of standing there watching him. It was like, who was it? Who was it? You know, I have no Cause, idea. Cause I was I, standing. I was, I was standing outside in the merch line because the UFC had a line out, and Herb Dean and 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 Jason Herzog walked by me. I, I didn't want to get out of the merch line because it was way too damn long, but, oh, but I saw them. Herzog. <laughs> or could have been Herzog. Yeah, uh, it could have been one of those two, and, and I saw them walk out of the arena after that. I, I felt so bad. So that was the first thing that I remember from the card. But then Bo Nickel goes out there, and maybe a, maybe minus seven hundred was too too light. <laughs> it could have been, but here's maybe the thing: too light. did you did you? I know that he has to sell the fight, but Pickett, I honestly believe, kind of thought he had a chance. He goes, "Oh, this guy's yeah. had four professional fights. I'm that's going the, to murder that's this the guy." Need to have. Yeah, okay, okay. Acknowledge, let's acknowledge here. Let's bring out some WWE. Acknowledge the fact that Bo Nickel is the best wrestler in the UFC right now. That goes uh, the best. Daniel Cormier said it better than anybody. So David Taylor right now is is an Olympian. He's on the world Olympic team. I think he just won a gold medal for the first time in, in his life. He he could take anybody down in the UFC right now. That is not named Bo Nickel. Bo Nickel and him can have an actual good match. That is the type of – that's the high-level wrestling that you're seeing. And I texted you this because I know you know you've rolled jujitsu. me being a wrestler. When you wrestle a, a high-level guy like that, it is a different amount of weight that you cannot describe. It you is a boa constrictor. Once he's on you, you're not getting him off. And, uh, by the way, he went from the knee to the body – all the way directly around with both hooks in in a matter of he, he like hooked the stubby in and it was he he was on his back and and had both hooks in it, and there was nothing Pickett could do about it and then gets his oh. head twisted off and, and not even a true choke he didn't even oh, have the neck. Not even, uh, I mean th- this guy has everything everything you could want and the question is going to be like obviously is a stand up game going to be there and my and my counter to that will be. It's the only thing he needs to work on. It it's is the only, only thing he needs only, to work on. It's the only thing. If he, if he wants to go into a fight camp, be like, oh, this guy's pretty good stand-up. I probably should be able to stand up and box a little bit. But I'll take him to the ground and, after that in two minutes. When I get my yeah. chance. Yeah, right, it, it's, 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 that's, the only, that's the only slide against him again. We're talking about a guy that's four fights into his career, Jimmy. Right? Oh, he like, has the so only much slide. potential. So much potential with the, the level of his wrestling. I would say he doesn't even need to get good at throwing his hands. Get good at, like, defending with your boxing <laughs> yeah. and just get to the point where you can grab somebody and take them to the ground. Yeah. Because if you can grab any, grab a hold of somebody, it's over with. So just make sure that you're not getting knocked out by these middleweights. I honestly – I think he should drop down. If he's re- if he's fighting 185s, he should drop to yeah, fight, he's and fight too 70. Small for 185, he, yeah. If you he, and it's weird with his body too. If you look at it, his right side is bigger than his left. It's like there's that's obviously his dominant side, but for, for, other, for those for those listeners out there, that mean that, that could mean a multitude of couple things. Why well, his right arm is a little bit stronger than his left hand, but I don't need to go into that. Wrestling is a lonely endeavor. You spend a lot of time, you know, 
You spend a lot of time competing is how I'm going to put that. He has the worst cauliflowers in the in oh. MMA right now as well. Those things uh, are, hey, are adds, nasty. Adds to the grittiness. Adds to the grittiness. I love uh, it. I wish I, – I still kind of wish he wanted to go. and If he tried out for the Olympic – if he goes to the Olympic trials, there's a high chance that he makes the team and, and wins a gold medal. I still kind of wish he would have done that, but – it seems like he's making a he's decent choice could. for himself. He still, yeah. he still probably could, you know. The EOC would probably let him too. Do you? How old is he? Do you know? Twenty-seven. Ah, oh, shoot! I was gonna say, I was, I was gonna say, if there's one guy that one guy to 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 break John Jones's youngest uh, champion record, it, it would be him if he was under. Uh, under he spent too much time wrestling and, and dominating college <laughs> yeah. wrestling, dude. Yeah. The, that's his final season. These guys, like Spencer Lee is another one. I, I don't know if you're familiar with him. He's the guy last year that he won a national title in his post-game or post-match interview. He's like, yeah, I had no ACLs this wrestling tournament. I didn't tell anybody because F excuses. Um, he just was untouchable. Like he would wrestle these college kids, and I would feel bad. It, it's a not a fun experience, and he's, he's something he's, else. He's, he's something else. Look, it's going to be the first fighter in UFC history to get a number after his name after four fights. Or was it five fights now? No, that, that was his fourth. That oh, he is now four and zero in his professional he, fighting. He'll career. have a, he'll have a number next to his name, and he'll he'll the only person he needs to fight is a ranked opponent. Literally, like anyone with a not not a number next to his name, like is going to be feeding feeding uh, uh feeding blood to a shark. Like it's going to yep. be as quick as that. Quickly, I did want to mention that lead into the co-main event because uh, I've seen him fight before, but I didn't recognize it. But Shavkat Rachmanov is a dog. Oh, that, dude, I, I caught the end is... of that fight. Oh, my God, I caught the end of the fight. And Jeff Neal is, is no slouch at all. No slouch no, at all. he's not. And kudos to, like, the, they were doing the they did the video package. He was septic, like, very a very recent time ago, which for those of you who don't know, that means his, his – waste from his colon had transitioned outside of his stomach lining and he was his body was basically very close to just shutting down because you, it's toxic it's toxic him and poop is toxic when it's not in your colon so jeff neal is is a tough bastard but it's the same thing i was talking with my dad about it like for those eastern european basketball players where guys in the olympics say like hey, you can't talk shit to him because they're used to having bombs dropped on their house. Like, if I don't play basketball, yeah. I'm going to have to go fight in the military. Like, there's nothing you could do. He was taking shots. Like, Neil was trying to give it to him, and, and he was able to walk through it. Didn't have to go for the finish. I think that it was pretty clear he'd, he'd won at least two of the three rounds at that point and then just finishes it off with a beautiful rear naked choke and chokes the guy unconscious. That's – he needs to – I feel like that's the final stepping stone. He's going to bump into now top the, seven, the yeah. top five, top ten at welterweight. What was he, like eight already? He was eight, so he'll probably jump top five. Yeah, I think he'll be – Very close to a title. Rogan, think that he, Rogan thinks he could get a title title shot after that, that performance. I think he needs one more. I think they don't what, – what, what, what weight division is he in? That is – 170, I believe. But so that's, it that's uh, that's it is Us 170. Is that Usman? Uh, it is Usman. No, 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 no. It, it's, it's, it's Leon like, Edwards Leon, right Leon, now, too. though. Uh, but, I, I, yeah. they, have, they don't have to run it back between them, but but yeah. I think who, that top three, um, maybe he can get Colby. All right, Colby's there. 
Right? That would be I interesting mean, because Colby's game is pressure, and so is is so Rahmana. Rahmana. That'd be a hell of a fight. Maybe I, Colby. I really because uh, who is or who's fighting uh, Gamebird? Because Gamebird has a fight now lined up. There's someone in the top uh, five that is fighting. Yeah, Gilbert Burns. So those two are locked up. Yeah, they're already locked up. So why not go see see what Colby's about? You talked me into it. I would love to see Colby Covington and, and Rachmanov fight. Okay. So I, I just like that was pretty incredible. Round three, four minutes, 17 seconds into the round. It was literally 45 seconds left, and he, he choked Jeff Neal unconscious. Um, so big win. He's 17-0 in his professional career. So those were the two young guys that made big waves. Now, the first female Mexican UFC champion, and we One both said last week. We both said last week. I'm so sorry. Ter- terrible, terrible takes last week. That was not good for the two of us. That looks no, bad terrible. because um, – uh, yeah, now now what? people are not going to take us seriously. The UFC. Yeah, takes. no, we should have had. We definitely should have called in Rev because he probably would have set us straight. Like yeah. Alexa Grasso probably has the best boxing in all of the UFC or the Christmas boxing. That's what Daniel Cormier has said in watching her fights before. And they also mentioned too, she is the Mexican analyst for the UFC. And when you're able to have that role and then also fight, you see the game differently. You pick up on tendencies. She's probably called or been a part of numerous Shevchenko fights, seen everything that worked and didn't work against her. And by, at the end of the day, it was just fucking willpower because she was still getting beat up. It was a, it was a hell of a fight back and forth. I think that you could probably say it was going to be two, two, uh, Shevchenko, I think won rounds one and two, and then Grasso came back to win rounds three and four. And and they were about to finish round four, but then four minutes, 34 seconds at the round, you get a rear naked choke finish, and it wasn't even on the chin, but that neck crank. It, oh my god! You, you see the picture of, yeah. of Valtina's? Her chin was white all the way across. Like it was, it was as tight as it could be, and and with a strong um, Villa Mexico crowd, obviously in Las Vegas, Nevada, uh, the, everyone was behind her. There it seemed like Valentina is an absolute legend of the sport. Did I ever think that the, the, this girl had a chance? No. Like I said last week, I didn't think she had a chance at all. But her boxing to, to be able to block Valentino's kick, and and look, she she uh, uh, watching the training videos, she knew what she was going to do. She mm-hmm. said, you know, at some point Valentino's going to throw that spinning back kick, and that's when I jump on the back and end it. Yeah, she, that was she, it. Was it was to a cue almost? It was like she's going to do this. That's when I. That's when I go. I get on the back, end it right there. And it was as timed perfectly as possible. You blocked. I believe that with the left hand, you block the kick. You or, yeah. or with the right, you block it all the way around. Get to the back, jump on, lock both legs in. It was almost simultaneously. The kick missed. Got on the back. Got the chokehold in. End the fight with with less than two minutes in the round. I mean, like, like I said, less than thirty I, seconds in the round. You know, when she locked it in, like when she locked in, oh, it was like a yeah. minute she sat there for a minute with it locked in. I thought that, oh, fuck, is, is Valentina really going to um, last a whole minute and a half in this chokehold to try to get to the end of the round? It would have been absolutely astronomical if she did. But I, I, I mean, what an absolutely excellent game plan, absolutely excellent performance from Laura Grasso. Absolutely world class. I, I, yeah, I don't think enough can be said about that level of an upset and and just finding a way when, this, when this people... is this is Amanda Nunes level, right? For for how yeah, many how I, many 
For how many years in a row, Jimmy, was it Valentina and Amanda Nunez and no one could ever touch them? We're seeing a new wave. We are well, that's the thing. When, when something happens the first time in, in these extreme sports, it tends to happen again. That's the trend picks up. Like nobody could hit a 900 on a skateboard until Tony Hawk did it, and now everybody can hit at least a 1080. So like it just it builds on top of itself. And it's funny the parallels that you can, you can grab. I re- likened it back to that Luke Rockhold, Chris Weidman fight where Weidman was really winning. Like Rockhold had nothing to do for him. Weidman threw a wild spinning back kick for whatever reason, something he never did before. And Valentina hadn't thrown that kick yet in the fight. So I don't know why you would go for it now and you give up your back and you give up the position that ultimately costs you the fight and costs you the belt. I will say she's a gracious loser. Oh, absolutely, yeah. She definitely kind of threw in that. a, she, she threw in a little jab at the end of her fight of uh, every interview so that she can get her rematch. Well, but I, to, I feel yeah. like she was, oh. she was very gracious in the fact that yeah, Alexa Grasso won. She's that a was, very, that's the thing. She's a very gracious fighter, gracious champion, gracious in, in, in general. Because like like I said, look, um, that that Amanda Nunes division, Amanda maybe fought once a year, if maybe two a year for the last four or five years. Valentina defends it two or three times a year. Like like we don't we don't give her enough credit for how long and how, how many fights she fights where she just lines them up and tries to knock them down. And finally, she got one up, but she will she will get a rematch. Absolutely, I'm very interested to see how the second fight goes because I think if these two two girls fight again, like if they fight ten times, I think it goes five five to five. In all reality, I I think Grasso would, would would be so smart and smart enough to figure out what move that that Valentina would do next, so she makes the next move. I think Valentina could knock her out too as well. So so like I said, this is a fight that I'm not going to compare it to Figgy versus Moreno, but this is a fight that we could see a couple times. It'll be interesting to see how it goes, but yeah, that was the the question. Could anybody step up to Valentina and Alexa Grasso prove that, yeah, she was ready to take that next step. She's ready to take that next step. I am so sorry. One of the worst takes we've ever had on the show, and there's been quite a bit. (laughs) That was about as bad as a take as uh, seeing John Jones. Yeah, we said no chance at all. Um, John Jones was fat. He's he's in shape. He's strong. He's a thick. He's a thick boy now. I know. I saw everyone saying this, and to back him up, John Jones weighed in forty pounds heavier than he weighed in his whole career. What do you yeah, expect? He was fighting two five. Well, I get I that. He 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 weighed in. He's a repetitive in. steroid user. I would have expected at least some washboard abs. <laughs> okay. Either way, the guy weighed in at 205 for, yeah. what was it, 10 years, 12 years, however long it was. and, and Forever now? Forever. And he weighs in at 245. What do you expect? <laughs> he probably weighed in on that fight, I would guess, probably 265. And, and in reality, mm-hmm. his mindset is that, look, I, I know I have the speed. I know I have the abilities. Honestly, the weight is not that big of a deal if I can manage it to a point where I'm not – Massive, which look, he, he wasn't massive, he wasn't in shape by any means, it wasn't massive. But you can't fight in the heavyweight division at 225. I'm sorry, in today's world, you cannot fight 225 in the heavyweight division, you have to be in the upwards of 230 to 240s because you are a small heavyweight, uh, um, at weighing in at 225. And John, look, John Jones did expect did exactly what we all thought outside of the, the finish, he came in. Like a, like a champion would, and realize what was the stake ahead. I have a chance to be the baddest man on the planet. 
Cyril Gaunt did not realize that. Playing FIFA in, 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 in the UFC Embedded Series, playing FIFA while John Jones is watching film, that was that was the biggest take. I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I tried my hardest to find a sports book in Vegas where I could bet John Jones to win by not decision, but none of them would fucking let me, unlike my sports books here in Colorado on my phone. So I couldn't throw that away, and I totally forgot to throw the bet in on Tuesday when I left last week. But either way, <laughs> I think that what John Jones proved is that he is the baddest man on the planet. And and look, there's only there's one person, one person that I think that could have stand up to him in the heavyweight division. And it's the guy he called out at, at, at the end of the fight. Oh, you think that Stipe can step up to him? It's the only one. If there's one, Jimmy, if there is one, that's the only one. I don't think – I think Francis would have got cooked. I'm serious. I'll say it. There's I, a mental toughness that he does not require. Does not there's have, a, there's and a Stipe definitely have. does. But definitely, I, I, I agree. Did you see what John Jones said at the post-fight press conference, though? The, when, uh, when asked about the post-fight. So he's he said, yeah, I would really like to fight Stipe, and I think Stipe is the greatest heavyweight of all time. I'd really like to test myself, and yeah. and we'll figure that out. But he's gonna have to stop fighting fires, like. If you're going to – with what we saw from John Jones and the better and more comfortable he gets at this heavyweight division, it's going to be the same thing as, as light heavyweight. Two you, and have half to years fight, you, you have to fight your Alexander Gustafson level fight from the first one every time that you fight John Jones. And he could possibly not train. He could possibly – He will take how to beat you. He will take how to beat you. It will be – it will take everything that you have, and you'll have to hope that he makes a mistake. And for Stipe, I think I agree with John Jones. You're probably going to have to to not do the volunteer firefighting thing. Dedicate yourself to figuring out how you're going to beat John Jones. You know that mentally, you two are going to be on a very equal playing field. Absolutely. Wrestlers are mentally mentally tough. Those two are are from a wrestling background, and they've been in wars before. Like, they they fought. It's not like it's the first time for either of them. It's it's the biggest fight the UFC could maybe ever have. I'm talking UFC 300. I'm talking Madison Square Garden. I'm talking the biggest, one of the biggest fights in UFC history. And and that's weird to say. It's very weird to say. But if you are talking about the, the, the GOAT of the light heavyweight division, you are talking about a guy that's, I don't know if he's a GOAT of the heavyweights. Obviously, we could have a conversation for another day, but he's in the conversation. It could be the biggest fight in UFC history, possibly. I'm serious when I say that. Like, look, Stipe is not what he once was. Obviously, the Francis fight and 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 and, and set him back a little bit. But he's still a top top level fighter, and those two on a collision course with one another could 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 it could be a it could be Mark Henry versus the Big Show where the ring falls apart because of two these behemoths just fucking two tigers out two tigers and two lions fighting off fighting off against one another. Um, um, with with all the world, that's the only fight or the only test he'll have, because Cyril also, Gon, he walked through Cyril Gon. Walked. Cyril Gon is a mental midget. He he, he, he proved yeah. that he's a mental midget on Saturday night. He he hasn't fought in two and a half years, obviously because of steroids, and then also because of the time in between fights or whatever. So he hasn't fought in that long. Cyril Gon has been beating a lot of the heavyweight contenders, beating them all. Mark, not Mark Hunt. Um, Ty Ty Tuivasa. Uh, um, um, okay, I can't think of all the names on top of my fucking head. Close. Either way, there's a lot of names where he's beat, right? He, and, he, and he held the interim title. John Jones stepped to the plate and said, give me your best pitch and I will knock it out of the park. And he did exactly that. We, there's, there's no stopping this man 
outside himself. We've said it for how many years? No one can stop John Jones outside of John fucking Jones. <laughs> right? Like, like there isn't a man on this planet. There isn't. There isn't. And, and I'd be hard-pressed for you to find me a person. And I'll even go to boxing. I would take John Jones in a street fight over every single person you want to name. I'll go as far as Tyson Fury. I'll go as far as, as, far as Deontay Wilder, Anthony Joshua. I'm picking John Jones in that fight. He's that bad of a man, and that 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 greatness of fighting level that it's going to be hard to touch him. I agree. I think that he's going to be there for a while, and I hope Stipe puts up a fight. But I'm not okay. giving. I'm not betting against John Jones at, at this point. I think that he's no. probably going to continue to win, and and he hasn't lost. He's only lost based on that one technicality disqualification. Um, I'm going to. I'm going to call it. I I can't go any further. Spring break is next week, so I'm looking forward that very much to that. I'll have my hair cut and my beard trimmed. Um, Nico, at FEOTV Pod. Everybody should follow, subscribe to the YouTube channel. Next week, we will have our March Madness uh, episode. We're going to talk about the bracket, maybe reveal some of our picks. We are going to have our far end of the bench bracket challenge, so make sure that you submit your bracket before the tournament starts. Selection Sundays this Sunday for both the wrestling and basketball tournaments. Nope. I make sure that I throw that in there. I won't make the bench warmer sit through another madness episode, but I might do some different YouTube stuff uh, as I as I go through and, 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 it'll, the recaps. and it'll be more than likely my first ever hosting job. So let's see how this fucking goes. It's all yeah. uh, and the good thing is, when it's live, all you'll have to do is make sure that you hit the "Let's Go Live" button. And, yeah, and, the play and, button, and just let it yeah. run. So we'll just let it roll. Button. You're either going to figure out that my job, you never want to have my job, or my job is way easier than you gave me credit for. It's probably going to be the first one because because you do a lot and you and you're so incredible with, with setting all this up that I'm I may struggle like a motherfucker. But you know what? We got to give the people what they want. And, I got to I got I got to go to vacation see see the parents. Exactly. I gotta be possible, you know. Possible oh, future. Oh, 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 okay. Fair, but fair enough. Fair enough. I I yeah. I, I, I get that. But you, but like I said, um, we'll get you your, we'll get a live show for you all next week. Obviously, the games start next Thursday, maybe Friday. So luckily, you don't have kids watching it in your class. So there's a positive yeah. for you. So at least your school was smart and worked around the basketball basketball schedule. So that's true. You got that going for you. Um, but yeah, like I said, we'll have all that coverage. It'll be more than likely me and Jeremy. Maybe try to get one more person on um, to cover. But but um, um but yeah, it's, it, we'll, we'll have a, we'll have a great uh, bracket breakdown for everything. And like I said, there's only going to be a couple days where you could sign up on our tournament challenge. We won't have an episode, quote unquote, until the tournament challenge goes live. But once it goes live, jump in there right away because you only have three or four days to get in before the brackets um, get blocked off. So we'll post about that. Keep on the lookout for all that because, like I said, we'll we'll do another shirt giveaway and do something with Variety Sports Network too. Um, to get a shirt giveaway or something along those lines, we'll figure all that out for the winner. Unless it's me, yep. unless it's me again. Unless, yeah, unless, unless it's me, unless again. Again. then we'll give second place their trophy again. Uh, at FEOTB Pod, make sure you follow, turn on your notifications, subscribe to the YouTube channel, check out the Variety Sports Network at Variety underscore Sports underscore. Uh, I think that's gonna do it here, episode one twenty nine. Thank you very much for tuning in. For myself, Jimmy Pilato, my co-host Nico Bryant. We appreciate everybody tuning in. Stay safe, bench warmers. Enjoy March Madness and Madness. And we will see you guys live next week here on the Far End of the Bench podcast. If you don't stay down and you never quit, come on over here and sit on the far end of the bench.
bench. 